Welcome back to a Sword of Star Wars book club. <gasps> this is the first episode of the Sword of Star Wars book club, so it's not really welcome back. I guess welcome to welcome to a Sword of Star Wars book club. Uh, so I had this idea that um, we could go through a book chapter by chapter, and Matt's coming along on the journey with me. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Um, so this is going to be a forty-one week journey. <laughs> That's how many chapters there are. Oh wow! So I started. I kind of want to do this for a while with some book and i recently uh started rereading red rising the annual read <laughs> right. is that right yes <laughs> yep. i have to read them every year and so it was my new year's resolution last year was to read 25 books okay and i got to seven <laughs> so close <laughs> well i read the three red risings <laughs> and then i read uh up to um goblet of fire Okay. Gave up on that book halfway through. Jordan would be so disappointed in you. <laughs> That's her favorite book. Really? It is. Um, which one is that? The third one? Uh, four. Fourth one? Because fourth. it's Goblet of Fire, then Order of the Phoenix, then the... Um, Deathly Hallows. No, Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood then, Prince. Then Deathly Hallows. Okay. Hallows. So it's three. So it's four. Philosopher's Stone. I mean, Sorcerer's Stone. Um, Chamber of Chamber Secrets. Of Secrets. Oh, prisoners, prisoner of Azkaban. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. 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 So that was my seventh book. Gotcha. I didn't even make it through it. <laughs> well, so, well, to make you feel better, I had a goal of reading twenty-four books. Oh, okay. And oh, two a month. Makes yes, sense. two a month. I I was thinking I would read one nonfiction and one fiction. Oh, okay. So to try to be entertained and also learn something. <laughs> I don't think I got through February, so. <laughs> well, well I, think, I think I read, I did read the Red Rising series, okay. um, but it wasn't, um, I think I read all three books in like two weeks. Okay. So I don't think that counts. Yeah. yeah that's how it always is with me with these. It's like, I think I, qu- not quit, but I think I gave up partway through March or something because I read the first, the Red Rising ones really quick and then I got, because I wanted to reread them before I read Iron Gold and then I got into Iron Gold. Like, this is too confusing with the multiple point of views. So, I kind of gave up on that and then went to Harry Potter. Hmm. So, but we're back into Red Rising. Okay. So, we're at the mountains for New Year's and that's where I started reading Red Rising last year. So, I thought I'll start reading it again. I got a part with them. Like, this is so good, but I have nobody in like my personal life who like has read these books so I can talk to about it. So, right. I was like, oh, Matt yeah. likes these books. I do. Did where did you hear about these books from? From you. From me. Okay. Yep. Um, and I had heard about it from a guy at work and you get lots of book suggestions, right? Like from people like same with like Netflix show suggestions or whatever. Right. And like how many of them do you retain? 3% maybe. Right. Um, but I told him he kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me about these. And I said, okay, if you buy it, I'll read it. <laughs> and he bought it for me. It was Amazon prime two days. He had it delivered straight to work where uh, we worked together. And, uh, yeah, right now I was like in love with it. So I gotta try that then. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll watch that as long as you buy it for me. Exactly. Digital HD, please. Yes. 4K. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so we're gonna aim for a chapter a week. Okay. Um, and we're skipping the prologue. 
Okay. I never read the prologue in any book ever. Um, and I read this one just because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe we should read the prologue. But then I feel like it gives away so much of the book. Oh, I didn't read. I've, I've never read it. At least not yeah. that I, I, I thought about reading it this time. And I was like, no, it's like, <laughs> it's like when you get assigned something in school. You right. know, I was like, no, I'm doing the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> nope. I'm not reading extra. And I also realized there's a map in the front. Yes. So. That, that I found to be help. I was. I was reading it on Kindle, and so it's a little bit harder oh, to see right. when you know the the pages are smaller and and you can't really look at them. But so I thought this is, would be nice to go through to at least have or know that it's there whenever we get further into the uh, yeah the story. So, so this yeah this will come in handy. This map will come in handy later. Mm-hmm. And then they just have like this random section of Mars and Aegea, right? I guess that's what we're supposed to be looking at. Yeah, it's like yeah, part of Mars and then blown up. All right, so we are starting with chapter one. What's well, part one? Chapter one. Mm-hmm. Um, and chapter one is called Hell Diver. Hell Diver. It's hard to you know, it's hard to look at these titles and think okay, like trying to go back to what I thought it was right when I re- read it the first time. Yeah, because like you read the titles and you're like. Especially like the first part, like part one, right? Slave, right? It's like okay, like like in hindsight, it makes sense, right? But yeah, it's yeah, it's it'd be cool to read it again without knowing how everything turns out, right? I think two years ago when I reread them was the first time I had in a while or last. I don't know. It was like um, I had forgotten enough. That mm-hmm. like when I was watching, it's like we're watching through House now. Yeah, and I'm like, I remember like, oh, I remember this episode, but I don't remember how it turns out. Right. Which is like the perfect way right. to read it. But yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was cool to see. But now it's been so recent, I remember everything that happens. But right. Um, so here we meet our main character, Darrow. 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 Is that <laughs> how you say it? I don't know. It's, it's spelled it's... like arrow with a D in front of it. Oh. I was talking to someone who was listening to it. Uh-huh. And or I wasn't. I was listening to a podcast of someone talking about Red Rising, and okay. they said they only listened to it, okay. and they thought the main character's name was Daryl. Daryl, okay. yeah, like the guy from The Office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time Darryl. we see, every time we hear Daryl, that's I think the guy of him. from The Office. Yep. Um. So I I kind of tried to summarize these chapters. Um. My very basic plot summary is, uh, Darrow is a hell diver digging a tunnel for helium three and risks his life in hopes to win the laurel. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what helium three is yet in this chapter. Right. We find out soon, uh, but not yet. We're going to act like we don't know what's happening in this book. Do our best. We're going to do our best, but it's going to yeah. stuff is going to come out. Yeah. So I think it's cool to look at it each chapter with like the grand scheme in mind, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, uh, We'll just act like we haven't read it before. Okay. So, um, so yeah, we meet our main character, and they talk about reds. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really know. I think they pretty much only mention reds and golds and grays in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah, those are the ones I remember. And um, they don't really mention what the difference is between them, I don't think. I mean, they talk about the golds being the overlords, I think is the word. Okay. I think um, he talks about um, Octavia Loon, 
That's in that will be in the next chapter. Oh, man, see, I'm already I'm already getting mixed up. <laughs> so, well, you know, you were talking about a summary. Like I the I kind of did the same thing in my mind. So like Hell Diver, and I was like thinking the man, like in the sense right. like okay, this chapter we learn we learn some. I, I feel like it's all focused on Daro and helping us to get an understanding. Yeah. Of who he is. Yeah. And that was the whole point. And like, like I was rereading it and I was thinking, you know, with, I was trying to put on my like first time reading hat on and it's like, I, and I remember thinking this the first time around and this, this kind of ebbs and flows through the whole series is like, I don't always completely like Darrow, no. Darrow, you yeah. know, like there's just some points where he's just kind of obnoxious, yeah. you know, and uh, cocky, arrogant. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get a lot of that in this chapter. Yeah, definitely. And you hear it all from his perspective. Um, and so you have to take it at face value that he actually is all of those things. Like right. he is as good as he says he is. Right. You know, like like the one line he has, um, he's talking about hell divers and basically a hell diver is a name for somebody. There's these drilling teams, they're digging into Mars and uh, the hell diver is a person that runs the main claw drill. They call it right. How he talks about it is there's a hand, which is the claws that are digging into, and then 90 meters above that, attached, it would be like at the elbow, and that's where he sits. Right. Yep. I also picture those things in the um, ride at uh, Universal Studios, the Hogwarts ride. Where did you go on that? No. Oh, okay. Well, it's basically like an arm extending and then a hand on the end that moves around. Anyways, so. Um, yeah, which is I didn't realize that it was ninety meters long. Like that's right. that's how far away he is. Right. Like it. Th- I think this was the first time reading through that. I realized how like, like big this machine is. The length of a football field. Yeah. yeah. It's like crazy. Wait, length of a football field. Yeah. Hundred yards. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. And uh, so he's controlling all this with like controls with his hands, mm-hmm. and he's like talking about how good he is. He's the youngest hell diver ever, and um, he says. Uh, to be a hell diver, they say your fingers must flicker fast as tongues of fire. Mine flicker faster. Yeah. <laughs> so you like, and it's like a recurring thing in this book. I was joking a little bit before we started about his hands. Like it's always he always brags about his hands. Yeah. Like, like through the whole series, like the whole mm-hmm. first three books, it's always about like, yeah, I'm pretty strong, but my hands are really strong. Right. Or like, I don't know. His hands come into play a lot. Right. Um, which is interesting. But when I think, you know, you're talking about what you picture, I always, honestly, I picture like General Grievous's arm. Okay. Yeah. You know, the kind yeah. of like a, I mean, like if I remember it right, you know, it has, it almost looks like it has a tibia and fibula. Okay. You know G- what I mean? Grievous's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And. Because they like separate. Yeah. But it talks about the drills like melting ore. Right. So it's almost like I think of like the fingertips as being like these like red hot, mm-hmm. you know, metal devices that kind of like claw at the rock and you know as they're doing that it's kind of like melting the rock too and stuff like that i'm not really but, understanding how they're getting the gas or right. the helium three i think is a gas or maybe it's a mineral i'm not sure right um well he does talk about how he looks back up at his like the rest of his crew in right. this like hole that he's dug right and he could see the helium three on the walls of the hole right so i guess it probably is a mineral right I think so. Helium-3 just sounds like a gas because helium is a gas. Right. Um, but so they get down into this spot and um, 
he's told to stop because there might be a gas pocket there right. or there is a gas pocket and they just don't know how big it is. Right. Um, so that's when you really start to see like how cocky Darrow is. Right. Because the guy leading their crew is, um, well, it's his uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like telling him, we got to wait. We got to have people come in and scan this thing to see how big it is. Cause if you hit it, you'll blow us all up. Right. Um, but Darrow takes everything into his own hands says and like you also find out he's very smart like he doesn't say that he's really smart right i don't know if he knows that he's really smart right um but he's like doing all these calculations in his head like well if we wait here it's gonna take them two and a half hours at the minimum for them to come here and then if i'm doing this many kilos per hour then i'll lose that many right that much helium three and this other clan is going to get more helium three than us and we start to find out it's a competition between mm-hmm. different groups right. of miners to see who can get the most and that's where the laurel comes in. Right. Yeah. So the laurel is like this prize to be won for the person who gets the most helium three. I don't think we really know what it is exactly. It's just a prize. I don't think he says what's in it. it he said it's a quarter. It's a it's, it's a quarterly ration that they get. And if they win, whoever wins the laurel gets oh. like. He says it means more burners. And more, burners yeah. and, yeah. you know, like sugar and cinnamon and stuff like that. Like yeah. Kind of things that I think it's interesting I mean, and this is not an unusual um, idea, you know, that the things that we often take for granted, you know, like right. we go to the store and buy, you know, five bag, five pound bag of sugar and it's right. like not a big deal. Right. But it's, uh, it, it's been a little bit more, I think having come through, you know, 2020 and with the way things were with the grocery stores. It's a yeah. little bit like right. I I had some of those you know apocalyptic. We've had those moments right. where it's like okay, we don't have any toilet paper. <laughs> I'm getting the single ply stuff. You know, um, I want to make some bread, but I don't know if we can get flour or sugar. You know, right. it's like it's, it's very like, interesting. But you used to like have to pick between brands, and right. now you, now you just like hope that any brand is right. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take I'll take the Scotts 400 sheets, man. right? <laughs> yeah, a thousand a thousand squares per roll. Yeah, and they're like see through, right? Yeah. yeah, but no, that that's so the laurel is they get you know the better stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, you, you're right from you the get, golds, from the golds. You, you find yeah. out it's from the golds, yeah. right? And it was just it's interesting to me to to and this is a constant um, theme that we'll see. Is just this idea of what does it mean to, what what is what is freedom or what is mm-hmm. you know like um, uh, independence, yeah. what, you know, however you want to talk about that because you know like they're working for this laurel, you know, right. and and for <laughs> my phone just <laughs> and for and for um, these clans that you find out in this chapter that that is like the most. That's what they're all trying right. to get. They're just trying to get the nicest package, the right. laurel, you know, right. to be able to to do to right. make their and, food with. And, right. And you find um, out what's in the laurel is like, it's not like you normally get nice things and the laurel is like really nice things. It's right. Like the laurel for us is just like normal staples. Things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we find out um, a little bit about their culture as well in this chapter. Um, you find out that. Um, they start mining at 13 years old. Um, they tend to marry the women at 14 and the men at 16. Right. Um, and you find out they live underground because he talks about like none of the reds that mine have seen stars. Right. He talks about stars. Right. Um, 
and we found out there's different mining clans as right. well, which we talked about a little bit. Yep. Um, and um, it talks a little bit about how EO, we, he mentions EO, which is Darrow's wife, we find out. Right. Which she's like, he thinks that she could be a gold. She's so good looking. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out later, like later in the stories, when he looks back at EO, he thinks differently of her. Yeah. But at this point, right. he thinks she's like, and I guess it's a thing because a lot of other people in where they live is Lycos. A lot of other people there have tried to propose to her before right uh darrow was the right age to get married right um they've been married six months um and but eo thinks differently than darrow she thinks that um the uh that they're not that they're enslaved really i think it talks about that in this chapter i'm pretty sure Hmm. i have that written down i remember that um Eo thinks that they're slaves and the laurel is just to remind them how small they are and that they can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also mentions how they're starving. Um, he says, he talks about how um, he'll probably see a few more of Eo's ribs that night. Right. Um, and he talks about how some people and some people's wives or whatever um, will sell themselves to um, the greys which is like we find out is like their soldiers or their um police Mm -hmm. um for more bread or something like that so it's very very interesting to think about that that way right yeah it's not a not a happy picture no um but to them it's just that's just their life like they don't know like their biggest goal that they can achieve is to get the laurel right in their world right um and we don't even know why they're mining it right um but we do find a little bit at the very beginning um, the first line of the book, the first thing you should know about me is I am my father's son. And when they came for him, I did, as he asked, I did not cry. Um, and then we found out that he was hung later. We don't know why he was hung yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I would say that, uh, Darrow is old for his age. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's mature, but he talks about his older brother was like a crybaby when it came to his dad's death, which most people would cry at their dad's death. Right. Um, and this line here, which is used a couple times, on Mars there's not much gravity, so you have to pull the feet to break the neck. They let the loved ones do it. Right. I like how he said they let the loved ones do it. Like it's like something you would want to do. Right. <laughs> um, right. It is weird that they hang people in low gravity. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. But, Okay, I did find it. So it says, Eo says the laurel is the carrot the society dangles, always just far enough beyond our grasp, just enough so that we, just to, just so we know how short we are and how little we can do about it. We're, su- we're supposed to be pioneers. Eo calls us slaves. I just think we don't work hard enough, never take bi- big risks because of the old men. Um, so yeah, his wife disagrees with him mm-hmm. on the laurel. He's doing everything he can to get it, and his wife says it's not. It doesn't matter because no matter how hard you try, you won't get it anyways. Right. Um, well, and I think you know here we start to see. Think this is where, like we said earlier, the story is, um, from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you get to hear everything from his point of view, um, and so you have to start wondering, you know, like, okay, is it, can I take what he's saying at face value? Right. So his uncle Narrell, um, 
is a guy that is apparently a drunkard and he very much dislikes um, or doesn't have respect for and blames him for not doing that and looks at what Uncle Narrell says about not being able to get the laurel as something that old men right you know aren't striving for right and so again it's it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the future yeah um so yeah it's his his view of uncle narrow does change over the next couple books (laughs) (laughs) you'll you'll forget that i said that by the time it happens (laughs) well and here's the difficulty of trying to um, read something so that people can listen along for the first time right um because i mean e- even with uncle narrow you see by the third chapter that he's mm-hmm. not necessarily just a drunkard right i mean he you know you see him playing an instrument he's very good at it right you know and and so i think as you read through you start to realize that you're getting a limited view of these stories because right. you're getting it from well, for first from, of all, a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, from Darrow's point of view, yeah. um, which I, you know, it's interesting. For whatever reason, this that sticks out to me more in this story than like um, Ender's Game, because Ender's yeah. Game is completely from Ender's perspective mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Now you get to in that book, you get to hear some of the other kind of conversations that are happening around that. You know, in like the prologue to e- each right. chapter. Yeah. But for the most part, the story is from his perspective. Yeah. But I don't get the same kind of feeling. And I think that's because Ender's a character that I relate to a little bit better than I do Darrow. Yeah. Especially at this point in the story. Yeah. Except Ender was six. six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or was he sixteen? Trying to remember the movie. No. <laughs> I'll never I'll never let that go. The only thing I can think of in Ender's game was when they started making the movie, the kid was like short, and then he went right. through a growth spurt. I'm like, he's like the tallest person in the movie, <laughs> right? And he's supposed to be six. Yep. But, um, yeah, he talks about his uncle Narrow. Um, my uncle is weak. He is cautious and immoderate in his drink. A pale shadow of my father. His blinks are long and hard, as though it pains him to open his eyes each time and see the world again. So that was an interesting description. And I think um, if you stick with us, you'll get to hear an alternate perspective of Uncle Nero from his brother, which mm-hmm. is right. um, Darrow's father. So right. I think that that's it's interesting to have those two viewpoints um, as well. So. Yeah. This is all happening when he's like talking about waiting for the um, scan, the the scan yeah, crew. Yep. Um, but he said that his mom would still tell him to listen to his elders and listen to Uncle Nero. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I had from the first chapter. Yep. Um, the chapter ends with Darrow, um, getting out of his claw drill and he doesn't want to wait for the scanners because if they wait, he figures out that they're going to lose the laurel right? or not get the laurel. Um, so he jumps out, takes his hand scanner along, right? And, uh, goes down and scans the gas pocket to see how big it is and finds out that it's not that big, but he's like on these molten hot claw drill fingers right um he's in this suit he calls a fry suit which they are in the entire work shift right and you find out that they it what i imagine is like a hazmat suit mm-hmm. i don't know i mean that's basically what i think of because there's he talks about like a face shield but it's like it protects you from the heat right 
where you sit. I don't think that down at the claw drill protects you necessarily. No. Um, because he is down there. He's talking about how hot it is. Um, and then um, he gets the scan and he goes to get back up to his cockpit and his foot gets stuck. And the rubber on the boot heel starts melting. And he said, to a hell diver, that's the smell of death. Right. <laughs> um, meaning that like, if you smell that, you're too you're too close to the heat. Right, you're gonna die. Right. So, um, yeah, they talk about the fry suit a lot, which was interesting. Um, he talks about how pretty early on he talks about how um, you could like you just have to pee in it. Like, right. So it's all day your whole shift you're sweating in it. You mm-hmm. like wear a sweatband, but still sweat goes on your face. He talks about you can't wipe it off. It sounds absolutely <clears> miserable. <throat> you just pee in the suit, and like it's he said. I guess you get fit with a catheter, but we choose the stink. <laughs> so, I think I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be Except hard. then you're like sloshing around in it. You think. Yeah. He talks about like going down to the bottom of the suit. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, that's where your feet are. And like, oh, I can't <laughs> Your stand. feet got to be like nasty looking yeah. at the end of the road yeah. shift. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so when we leave him in chapter one, he's got his foot stuck on a claw drill. And uh, he thinks he's going to die. And that's, I think he does admit that this was a mistake. Um, that his uncle was right, but he'll never tell his uncle that. But, um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. anything else about chapter one, man? Nope. Cool. Thanks everyone for joining us. In chapter one of the Source Star Wars Book Club. Uh, oh, did we even say what book we're reading? Yeah. Well, you might. Oh. Have, you said the Red Rising series. Okay. But, yeah. So <laughs> we are reading. <laughs> in case you missed it, we are reading Red Rising by Pierce Brown. I should have said that early on. Not Brosnan. No, not Pierce Brosnan. That's a different book. Okay. <laughs> sure, it's not nearly as good. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Red Rising, Pierce Brown. That was chapter one. Chapter one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. See you later, alligator.